Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. About him, do you see? They've conspired together, the first 40-plus Jews. Now we have the clergy, the Sanhedrin, the powerful state is involved. People in key positions are joining the plot to kill the missionary apostle Paul. Verse 21. So do not listen to them, for more than 40 of them are lying in wait for him and have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they slay him. And now they are ready and waiting for the promise from you. You see, what they're doing is they're playing the commander. They're using the Roman commander as a puppet in their game. They're trying to get him to be a part. Here's what's going on. Out of his ignorance, the Roman commander doesn't realize what's been going. He's been informed, and and now he has the opportunity to save Paul and to not be played, to not be tricked by others, to be deceived, to turn against God's leader. Uh, Sometimes people will form a little gossip group, a little attack, a little conspiracy. Oh, we're against this Bible teacher. We're against this pastor. We're against this leader who does a ministry. And they'll try to play you and use you and deceive you. And what I found is you need to get to the truth. (laughs) You need to find out the facts because a lot of times people make up gossip and stories and and what is the real truth? You need to hear both sides of the story. You need to go to the source and go to that person and say, what is going on? Can you tell me? And then when you know the truth, you can combat the lies and you can stand up for that person and say, you know, that's not true. That's gossip. That really didn't happen. But I've seen many people will run to the first person who tells them the story, they'll they'll believe it, and they'll jump to conclusion, and they won't check out both sides. Have you ever dealt with kids? You know, and one kid comes and says, you know, he did this, and she pulled my hair, and he, and he kicked me, and he stole my game, whatever. And you think, oh, that kid, you know, he needs to be paddled, be punished. But then the other kid comes, no, no, it's not true. She did this, and he did that. Now you have both sides of the story. Now you've got to determine and judge the truth, have that discernment. And see, the commander now is getting both sides, and he's not going to be played by these Jews. Verse 22. So the commander let the young man go, instructing him, tell no one that you have notified me of these things. You know, as we get older and wiser, we become more careful what we say. Some things need to be kept confidential. Do you see how the commander says, don't tell anyone else. No one else needs to know. Oh, you're my best friend. Don't, don't tell the secret. You know, and somehow it gets out. And I've learned the less people you tell, the better. To protect confidences. And sometimes information is too important and somebody spills the beans, right? And so he's playing this carefully because people's lives are at stake. 
spiritual leaders are attacked and threatened. And especially I've known pastors and Bible teachers when they get into the media, they get on radio, they get on TV, and they express their opinions, they, they talk about morals, values, politics, religion, and you get people, they go berserk. They call in threats, I'm going to hurt this pastor, this preacher, I don't agree with what you say, and, and you get emails, and you get intimidation and stalkers, and I've seen it even against pastors. It's a horrible, horrible thing. We need to reveal the truth, right? We need to foil the plot. We need to protect our brothers and sisters, our spiritual leaders, against the world's plots and plans and attacks. Protect accused Christians, verse 23. And he, the commander, called to him two centurions. Now, a centurion would be like the word century, a hundred. A centurion is over a hundred soldiers. So two centuries, centurions, you have 200 soldiers that they control. So he's calling in some power. He's calling in some troops. So he called to him two of the centurions and said, get two hundred soldiers ready by the third hour of the night to proceed to Caesarea. Third hour of night would be nine o'clock. Sun goes down at six, so it's nine o'clock at night. We're going to smuggle Paul out now. Get ready. We're going to escape under the cloak of darkness. We're going to gather hundreds of troops. Get ready. We're taking him hours away to Caesarea, to the headquarters, where we have a powerful Roman base, where the most powerful Roman governor is seated who protects the region. We're going to smuggle them out to where it's safe. This is our plan. Under darkness, get the soldiers ready. With 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen, we're going to build it up a total force of 470 soldiers. Do you see it? Rome has the power. They are a powerful and mighty government. They have conquered the known world. Uh, the commander finds out, man, these Jews have 40 guys to attack us. We're going to have, you know, 40 plus. We're going to have at least 10 to 1. They have 40. We're going to have 470. They better not mess with us. And you see the power and the might of Rome to come in and protect one of their citizens, a Roman citizen. I know my rights. I'm an American. And you know what? America is a powerful nation, and we will come in with our power and might and protect you. Whatever we have to do, we'll send in, you know, the police, we'll send in the county sheriff, we'll send in the National Guard, we'll send in the troops, we'll send in the FBI, the CIA, you know, special forces, we'll send in the SWAT team, whatever, to protect our citizens. Keep them safe. Maybe you're under trial. You know, people want to kill you because they think you did some crime. But we'll put you under protective custody because you have the rights as an American to have a full trial, just like Paul does, to stand before your accusers. 
to defend yourself. You are innocent until proven guilty. And so Paul's trials will begin. Verse 24, they were also to provide mounds so Paul could ride a horse, right, because in case they need a quick getaway, to put Paul on and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. Verse 25, and he wrote a letter having this form. So the commander sends 470 troops with Paul and with letter in hand. And here's the letter. It's uh, ancient style. You say who it's from and who it's to at the beginning of your letter. It's the ancient style. Here's the commander, 26 Claudius Lysias. This is the Roman commander. To the most excellent governor, Felix, greetings. Now we have, you know, Pontius Pilate, Roman procurator, governor of uh, in Jerusalem, but this is Felix is over the whole region, one of the most powerful, and he's headquartered in Caesarea. This is the biggest, most powerful Roman fortress outposts with huge amounts of troops. We're going to send him to home base, headquarters of the region for protection and for trial. 27. When this man was arrested by the Jews and was about to be slain by them, I came up to them with the troops and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman, right? Citizenship has its privileges. Paul says, I'm a Roman. They protect him. They can't scourge him and whip him. He has rights. Same thing. I'm an American. You know, I've been in foreign countries and that American passport has clouts. You know, I'm an American. Call the embassy. You know, you can't treat me like this. Verse 28. And wanting to ascertain the charge from which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council, to the Jewish Sanhedrin, right? And I found him to be accused over questions about their law, but under no accusation deserving death or imprisonment. You know, Rome runs the show. Uh, The Jews have their own rules and rituals. They have a religious law. They have the Old Testament. But Rome runs the show. He's not guilty under our laws. You know, they had their little court. They want to, you know, do things to him. He's a Roman. He can't be punished by religious laws. You see the same thing in Islam. They have Sharia law, which is uh, Islamic laws, and they want to impose Islamic law in uh, other countries that are not Muslim, even here in the United States. And you have people saying, this is crazy. The American courts will never accept your religious laws We follow our laws. We follow the Constitution. We follow the Bill of Rights. We have our own laws on the books. And we're not going to let your religious law be imposed on our state and federal laws. The same principle is here. Verse 30. When I was informed that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once also instructing his accusers to bring charges against him before you. 
That's why I'm sending the Roman prisoner to a Roman judge. Because he has rights. He cannot be treated this way. Religious leaders under attack. I know of famous pastors that have to have protection. Uh, of course, my favorite, Pastor Chuck, you know, and I was at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. It's, it has been a large church in its past, sometimes over 20,000 people. And Pastor Chuck, he's like a big father, and he's older, and he's sweet, and he's always smiling. And you think, who would want to hurt and attack Pastor Chuck? Oh, a lot of people. <laughs> Radio, TV, this powerful ministry all over the world, and people that want to hurt him. I was talking to one of the associate pastors, and he said, you know, Pastor John, you know, the, the way it is at churches, we have key uh, pastors and ushers, and they sit up near the front. And when it's time to pray, we don't close our eyes and bow our heads. We keep our eyes open. And I said, well, why would you do that? Because sometimes we get someone run down the middle aisle of the church and run toward Pastor Chuck to attack him. We have to have our eyes open. I know of many pastors, they have armed security in the church because people want to hurt them and attack them. Can I tell you, there's a real devil, there's real evil, there's real enemies of the church, and I know the most godly pastors and spiritual leaders like Billy Graham, and you've got these evil people that want to hurt and destroy our spiritual leaders. This is the real world. I wish it wasn't so. The Romans are protecting our apostle. And sometimes our enemy's enemy becomes our friend. Does that make sense? You know, the Romans were enemies of the church. The Jews are enemies. Judaism is enemy of, against the church. But what we're doing is we're playing one against the other. So the Romans, which are our enemies, are protecting us against Judaism, against the Jews. So our enemy's enemy becomes our friend, if that makes sense. Await your trial. Verse 31. So the soldiers, in accordance with their orders, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. It is a Roman outpost. It is the halfway point between Jerusalem and Caesarea. It's about halfway. And this is at the point where they're going to divide up the troops. The foot troops are going to go back to Jerusalem to their base, and the horsemen are going to continue with Paul to Caesarea. And so it's a halfway spot, verse 32. But the next day, leaving the horsemen to go on with him, with Paul, uh, they returned to the barracks. When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him, to the governor Felix, powerful, influential. A Roman governor Antonius Felix has an unusual past because he was once a human slave, then he became a free man, then he rose up through the ranks to become one of the most powerful, influential governors 
over the whole region of Syria and Judea. He kind of controls that Palestinian area, Felix. I think because maybe he had been a slave, maybe he had some compassion and understanding. Verse 34. When he had read it, he asked from what province he was. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing after your accusers arrive also, giving orders for him to be kept in Herod's praetorium. Felix will become the judge. He will wait for both attorneys to come, the opposition, the prosecutors, right, are coming from Jerusalem. The Sanhedrin will send their best opponents to attack and make accusation, uh, requesting the destruction of our great apostle. It is a courtroom about to convene. And it is the swearing in, right? I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You know, as a wise discerner, you need to hear both sides, right? Don't just take in gossip. Oh, yeah, they did this. Oh, I better spread the news. Oh, we better come against this Christian and attack them. Oh, no. You need to hear the whole truth. You need to hear both sides. You need to have the courage to go to that person direct and say, is this true? Oh, my gosh, how did that get twisted around? Why would that child say that crazy thing? Well, let's fix it. Let's clean it up. Let's end this because it's not true. What is the point of all this? To keep the faith, to hang in there when it gets hard because you will be ambushed. You will be on trial. You will be falsely accused. People will make up stories and ally themselves together against you. This is crazy. But this is reality. Do you know they conspired and they ambushed Jesus? His place of ambush was the Garden of Gethsemane. The clergy, the religious leaders, plotted against Jesus. They wanted to destroy him. And can I tell you, they were little puppets. Their strings were being pulled by the, the prince of darkness, by Satan himself, that he would motivate and inspire religious people, good people, to turn against God's Son. And so they plotted together. They had their meetings, their backroom deals. They had false witnesses. They had their kangaroo courts. They brought in false witnesses that lied. And, and, but they had to find the opportune time to arrest Jesus because his thousands of followers would fight for him and riot. And so uh, they had to find that weak link, Judas Iscariot. And Judas comes for money. I'll sell him to you. And of course, the Bible says Judas was demon-possessed. And he loved money. Was the treasurer, would steal. And so he sells the whereabouts of Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I know where he will be tonight. He's going to pray. He loves to go to the garden and pray. He'll be there for hours. Only the 
close disciples. Only the twelve will be there. You can get them. You can nab them. Put the plan together. Conspire. Form your ambush. And you can arrest him at night. Now, the disciples didn't know what was going on. They tried to fight for Jesus. Remember Peter with the sword? And Jesus is like, stop. I'm supposed to be arrested. I'm supposed to be ambushed. I'm supposed to go on trial. I'm supposed to go to the cross. Jesus wasn't uh, surprised by the ambush of the enemy. It was all part of God's plan. God had a purpose. God had a reason. And Jesus willingly was ambushed and went to the cross and died for you, died for us. He trusted God's plan for himself. He obeyed the Father. Remember when he was praying and he said, not my will, but yours be done. And while he was praying, he resolved, he accepted, he agonized and came to the conclusion, I will trust my heavenly Father. I will go to the cross. I will fulfill his plan. I see the same thing with Paul. Jesus has told Paul, you're going to be on trial. You're going to get ambushed. You're going to go through all this attacks, but you got to do it. And my goal is to bring you to the headquarters of the world, Rome, to the seat of the empire. You will be my witness, Paul. You got to do this. And Paul was obedient. He obeyed. He's, he's like, okay, Lord, if this is your will, I will be your witness to the very top, to Rome. It's interesting that just a few hundred years later, Rome converts to Christianity. (laughs) And the Romans who were killing Christians and the Christians were underground. Some believe there were millions of Christians in Rome that went underground. And then in the end, Rome becomes the seat of Christianity and spreads Christianity, go figure. And I think Paul was a key figure in all of this. But Jesus trusted God. Paul trusted God. And you must trust God because God will allow attacks and plots and ambushes. And you're going to get scared and you're going to have doubts. And God, why is this going on? Why would these people say this against me? Why would they conspire against me? Why would this happen? You need to trust the Lord. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He's going to get you through. And I know it's hard. I've been through those. And you know, pastors probably have been through more of those than anyone. It's crazy how Christians would conspire against their leaders. You know, we we need to oust this pastor. We need to split this church. You know, I heard this and this about the pastor or the spiritual leader. And spiritual leaders come under great ambushes and attacks. You need to stand strong for Christ and his church. The first step is to become Jesus' follower, to come to the cross, to receive his blood shed for you, to accept his forgiveness and grace and his love, and then to grow bold in your witness and to become a protector of other believers, to oppose the lies of the enemies and to get strong and prepare for the attacks of Satan to trust in God's awesome plan for your life. Beware of ambushes.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we love you. We bless you. And we trust you. And it's hard knowing sometimes you allow trials and temptations and attacks upon us, but you promise to be with us and to get us through and to protect us. May we trust in your plan, even when we don't understand, even when things are rough and hard, even when the world persecutes us and attacks us because we love you and we stand for you and your word. Keep us strong. Keep us holy. May we not fall away. Build up those that would be discouraged and afraid and hurt. Heal their hearts. Make them strong that they can be powerful witnesses that we would model the Apostle Paul, that we would follow Christ. For we pray in his name, Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno, at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.